Isaiah 5, verses 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. That may well be a great description of what's going on in our culture today. And with good being called evil and evil being called good, it's very challenging for those of us who call on the name of Christ to be able to be discerning and make wise choices, especially in the area of media. We're going to be talking about media choices and media discernment today with our special guest, Philip Telfer. This is part two of a conversation on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome back to part two of this conversation on License to Parent. License to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a proving ground that we rely on week after week, bringing insight to today's culture through the lens of a biblical worldview. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. And our host, as always, is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and uh, Trace, we are uh, joined again this week uh, merely because we asked him to stick around, and we're <laughs> continuing that recording session. But we're joined by Philip Telfer, who is a filmmaker and an author and a person who has very keen insights into the world of media. And one of the and few pastors that are discussing this from the pulpit. I was about to say, and he is now in the pastorate and uh, is, as we learned last time, One of the few who is speaking out, even on Sunday mornings, Mm -hmm. about the problems of too much media consumption and worse than that, the wrong kind of media consumption. Well, Philip, thank you for for sticking around. It's uh, great to have you back again. Well, thank you, Trace and Rich. I'm I'm glad to still be on your show this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Long before digital technology captured uh, our every waking moment, uh, St. Augustine once prayed, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. Do you see digital technology too often used as a catharsis for man's restlessness? Oh, absolutely. In fact, a good example of this would be, you know, just talking about video games. When, when uh, I have a lot of conversations with parents about their primarily sons addicted to video games, and they can be anywhere from, you know, 24, 25 years old down to, you know, eight or nine years old. Uh, and sometimes even younger. And, you know, I've got a list of five things I'm, I'm, I raise as concerns. But the number one thing that I'm concerned about is what I call a false sense of accomplishment. The idea that at the end of the day, you know, or at the end of that game or in that process, that that boy is thinking that he's actually done something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a vicariously living, but he's not actually doing something. And the, and the sad thing is, is whatever time has been wasted not only has he not accomplished something, but that time was not spent uh, doing real things which could have benefited from him. And when it comes to the spiritual issues, too, uh, uh, I've got a friend, Kevin uh, Swanson, who talks about the uh, a thousand exit ramps off the highway of reality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are so many exit ramps, you know, video games just being one of a number of those. And people exit reality. They're living vicariously. And, and, and it's all this pseudo-living that they think there's something there, but it's like a drug that yeah. does not ever really satisfy. Yeah. And yet God has given us so many ways that, that naturally we can uh, not only connect with him spiritually, but we can get out, get some exercise, we can do real things, 
so definitely there's so much of this, this vicarious living happening today. It has a numbing effect on our culture. Well, how can parents better get this message across to their kids? I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Hart says 80% of the American public, and it's probably 100% unless you're Amish, uh, that in the teenage population, kids are anhedonic. It's almost like there's parts of the brain that have just kind of went away. So how do parents get this message across to their kids that, look, uh, you're rewiring your brain, you're accomplishing nothing, or do parents not get it? Well, you're right. Uh, I don't think parents really get it oftentimes, but if they wanted to start, uh, you know, make some steps in the right direction, is that it needs to be moderated, you know, in the home. It needs to be moderated in their own life, and then they need to set some reasonable limits uh, upon now, we're not an anti-media or anti-technology family, or even an anti-media or anti-technology ministry. Right. But we are, you know, less is more. You know, less is better. Mm-hmm. So it's been an extremely limited family, and and you know, my my kids are doing just fine. You know, they do they do real things. They're and probably doing better. One of the things I'm I'm big on is you can't just take things away without replacing it. But that replacement, so for example, uh, one of the things I do with my son is we, we build model RC airplanes from scratch, and we learn how to fly them. Great. Well, that takes a tremendous amount of time. It takes some money. It, it takes some energy. It takes some heartache when you crash the thing, and it, and it breaks up into pieces. Yeah. Uh, it would be much easier if I just gave him a, a computer console and, or, or a, a game console and a joystick or, or a game controller and, and let him spend those hours without dad's involvement, without any more time investment or money investment. Or, and, if, and if he crashes something in the video game, he can just hit reset and start over. And so, so anything you, that you're going to say, um, we're going to limit this, you also have to say, well, what am I going to replace that with? And that's where parents are failing. They're like, they, it's too convenient just to let the digital devices parent their children. Let let me bring up the opposite point of view, though, here, and this is not necessarily mine, but I'd I'd like both of you to weigh in on this. Uh, Philip, you were mentioning the time that you spend with the radio-controlled planes, which which I think is a really cool hobby to be doing with your kid. But is there a problem with mom or dad, for example, saying, well, look, Junior is really drawn to these video games. Why don't I step into that world and I'll sit down and I'll play the games alongside? Is there value in that? Or are we just damaging two people instead of one? Well, I think there are better things to do. For one, you know, I, I was playing uh, Yahtzee with my children the other night. You oh, know, that's and, a video with, game. Oh, with, you didn't mean you know, the video six, game. You know, with real dice and <laughs> noisy. And, um, you know, with six of us, it takes a while to, for the dice to get all around. It's kind of slow. You know, it's sure. not so exciting. No explosions happening. You know, no epic music score in the background. And, uh, and, and, but we enjoyed our time together yeah. as a family. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, my children are not addicted to playing Yahtzee. Yeah. That, that you know, sitting down and, and playing a game with them, you know, did not cause any long-term negative effects. But if it comes to video games, it, you know what, there's so many studies out there, but you don't need the studies. Just ask any mom whose son is addicted to playing video games. Exactly you know, right. Ask any mom 
who's having trouble with her 8-year-old, her 16-year-old, or her 24-year-old in the house. And they're going to tell you something. If they could do it over, they said we would have never let it in the house. But no, I I don't think that that's, um, even though it's convenient to sit down with your kids. I mean, obviously, if you're going to let your kids play video games, which I don't think is the smart, wise choice if you want your children to have the best footing in life. But, you know, certainly mom and dad being there, it would be better than mom and dad not being there. Sure, and there's some studies that show that some games, and even some of those Wii games actually, can, some of the games, can actually build relationships, particularly between dads and daughters. Uh, but the problem is, is those games aren't usually the ones that are popular. And the ones that are popular are actually dividing uh, uh, kids with their parents when they play, like the, the M-rated games. Uh, but most of the games that are popular that most of the kids are playing and will will play are not healthy for them. So it's yeah. a, it's a, you know. I was sure you were going to tell me I had to start doing Dance Dance Revolution <laughs> with my daughter. Well, but I you try know. to find some positive things. I'm, I'm usually pretty negative about video games, so I try to do find some positive things. You know, I'm, I'm very encouraged about the progress with games for elderly people like Luminosity, yeah. you know, these brain games. Of course, if you know, there's been a, a lawsuit and a verdict against them, and they've had to pay huge fines to the government for misleading the public because they don't have any proof that those games actually do help anybody. So, you know, even some of my positive leaning examples have failed me. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. And this is such a systemic problem now because uh, this, this lady comes up to me and she says, I don't know what to do. She says, because, you know, the schools are handing out iPads to all my kids and they have to do their homework and there's stuff, you know, uh, projects on these iPads. What, what uh, counsel do you have for parents in that respect? Well, you know what? These are powerful tools. You know, I have an iPad that I use. Mm-hmm. And uh, most, mostly it's because I like, I have a Bible study tool called eSword that I really like. And I use it and, and keep it with me. Uh, but, you know, so they're powerful tools. But one thing we have to realize about tools is that there's a difference between, um, you know, a, a handsaw, so to speak, you know, the old-fashioned handsaw. Mm-hmm. You could, you could uh, saw a lot. And, and something like a, a power miter saw or a band saw. Or, or even a table saw. All those things, you know, I, we're, we're a woodworking family. That's another thing I've gotten my children involved in, you know, because once again, I haven't, I've said no to a lot of things, but I've said yes to a lot of other things that have actually cost me more time, money, and energy. One of those is a wood shop. So my two oldest children spend a lot of time actually making real things in the wood shop. They go to the farmer's market, they sell them, they make money. Awesome. They're, they're gaining skills, but they're, they're handling some, some powerful, dangerous equipment and you just don't do that without training because you, if you're careless, you're going to lose a thumb. You know, you're going to lose a finger, and I don't want to see my children lose a finger. Now, when it comes to the digital tools today, they're very powerful. The problem is, is if, if, if every time you stuck your hand in your pocket and touched your iPhone, you had the potential of losing your thumb, every parent would be concerned and every parent would be training their children. This is dangerous. You know, you, you could lose your thumb. And... Uh, but, but yet, so what we have to do as parents is help them understand there are other factors in life that you can lose. There nice. are other areas that are going to cost you, and, and that takes some training to understand that these are tools, they're not toys, and if we can't handle them carefully, you know, then, then maybe we shouldn't be handling them until we can handle them 
uh, carefully. Yeah. yeah, like brain cells, relationships, those are a couple of things you can lose too. Quite a lot. Philip, I must say, you are probably the son my father wished he had had <laughs> uh, because my dad was quite a woodworker and I've got no skill whatsoever <laughs> in, that, uh, in that way. That's great that you have developed these skills in your kids too. We're talking with Philip Telfer. He is the author of the book, Media Choices. And uh, we have to take a quick break on behalf of our stations, but we'll be back with more conversation in just a moment here on License to Parent. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherds Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Uh, that is a year-long residential Christ-centered program working with teens in crisis and with their families. And uh, the, the working with families is what we try to do here on our radio broadcast. We want to take the stuff that we're learning inside the gates at Shepherds Hill and export it to help you be the kind of parent God would have you be, one who can proactively take charge of uh, your family and avoid needing residential care when all is said and done. Our guest today is Philip Telfer. He is a filmmaker and an author. He's written the book Media Choices, which we've been talking about. And he also produced the film Captivated, uh, which is one that we offer here on the Licensed to Parent website at licensedtoparent.org that really tells uh, the story quite well about the challenges with uh, uh, too much uh, digital influence, uh, the the uh, overwhelming work uh, that uh, that uh, digital media can do to your brain uh, without you even being aware of it. And Philip, uh, there's been a move of late, I think, uh, in the film industry 
for more and more movies with, uh, I guess, more of a godly theme to be presented, uh, wholesome films, you know, whether documentaries or dramas. What do you think is causing the trend, and uh, do you think it's helpful? Well, I'm very excited that there are movies that are hitting the theaters and getting out on DVD that, you know, I can take my family to or we can sit down and watch. So I think that's a, a definitely a positive. The reason that we're seeing more of that is because it is, you know, when done right, uh, does make money. And there's always people that are business people out there, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, you know, whether it's Sony Entertainment or anybody else, they're looking at the faith-based market and they're saying, wow, there are people, there's a demand for this, and so we want to meet that demand. So yeah. as long as it, it, they can uh, make some money on it, they'll still do it. And, and it's, for the most part, it works because, for example, uh, War Room, you know, by the Kendrick Brothers, right. which was over $65 million in the box office, uh, was, was essentially a Christian box office hit. You know, and it's all about prayer. It's a powerful movie, and it was distributed by Sony. Well, Sony, I don't think that they're probably so concerned about prayer as they are concerned about how that movie does in the box office. Market but share. Thankfully, as long as they give their directors and producers the, the liberty to, to say, hey, as long as you're not dictating to me what I'm putting in my film, then, uh, then great. You know, we can partner together, and you can help you know, spread the message. So I think that's great. That's one of the reasons why we uh, started up a film festival. It's the Christian Worldview Film Festival held annually in San Antonio. And p part of the purpose of that is as a ministry, Media Talk 101, I spent so many years and continue to talk about a lot of the negative things in media. And sometimes you get a bad rap. You know, people start thinking, well, you're anti-media or you're anti-entertainment. And I'm, I'm pro-discernment and I'm pro-things that are good and godly. And so we wanted to demonstrate that by, by showing our support for the Christian filmmakers and independent Christian filmmakers and the upcoming Christian filmmakers to encourage them to keep Christ in their productions, to, to have a biblical worldview, to be spending time in the Word of God, so that just as much as I'll warn uh, consumers of media that they need to guard their hearts and minds from what they're watching and listening to, you also, we also need to help encourage the up-and-coming filmmakers, uh, media producers, to, to be thinking about that as well, to honor God and what they're doing. And, and praise God, things like, you know, movies like Woodlawn, uh, fantastic movie, you know, honored the Lord, yeah. true story. And uh, there are more coming out, and, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am too. Um, how does the average parent best address the issues with their kids and then keep from appearing legalistic when it comes to media issues? Uh, where's that line of demarcation? Do they do what you do and just uh, promote the, the good movies? Or what's, this, what's uh, a parent's strategy there? Well, kind of one of the things I've done in our family is that, you know, we're not a media-free or entertainment-free zone. You know, it's in moderation. But one of the things that's really important is that we, I believe in entertainment in community, meaning the community of the household or in the church where, you know, we're not being individuals. And I, I don't encourage my children just to go hide off into a corner with earbud headphones, you know, zoning out into their own little world. We do stuff as a family. And so when we watch a movie, we're going to watch a movie as a family. Of course, that takes some work for dad or mom to do a little research ahead of time. And, and then that way, uh, we're, we're observing, we're able to speak into, you know, my parents did this with me. You know, even if it was a Disney film, we would watch it. And, and if something came up that they thought, no, this is not biblical, 
they, we, they wouldn't necessarily shut it off and we wouldn't necessarily not finish the film, but they would talk about it. They'd say, hey, here's a, here's a teaching opportunity. Did you see that? Did you see how that child was speaking disrespectfully to the parent and it was never corrected and it was kind of made to look funny? Well, that's not really funny. You know, that's not really a biblical worldview. And, that, and, and so we want you to discern that, that just because it's in the film and because you're made to laugh, that, that uh, that's really not what God wants for your life. Mm-hmm. So I do believe there's an appropriate place. And as your children get older, there are, you know, other opportunities. So I, I do select sometimes just to take one of my children to go see a film or to, to watch a, a video at home that's not for the younger ones. Because I know that there's going to be content that might be a little more intense or might be something that, that is going to be a good opportunity for us to, um, you know, start some conversations. But the purpose of it is that this is purposeful. You know, mm-hmm. I'm approaching it with, you know, we're, this isn't going to be the norm. It's going to be the exception rather the rule that we're sitting in front of a screen. But when we do it, we want to, we want to major on the best and then we want to use it for an opportunity to teach. Sure. Absolutely. I, I've always had a no headphones rule in our home. If I can't hear it, you can't hear it. Bottom line. Yep. Well, and I was going to ask along those lines, um, I think it's it's absolutely essential, especially when dealing with non-Christian films, but but I'd say with all films, that we do spend time with our kids talking about them and, uh, you know, hopefully even watching them together. But as we introduced last week's program, we were talking about, uh, you know, with smartphones being so prevalent, uh, it's very difficult even to know what our kids are watching if they have access to these types of devices. And you know, for for me, I think that having even a cell phone by itself, not necessarily a smartphone, but a cell phone, is a privilege and not a right. And uh, I, I know Trace agrees with me on that. But how do you respond to parents who perhaps bring up as an argument, uh, well, I don't want my kid to be ostracized for not having a smartphone. You know, all of his friends have it. As outlandish as that may sound, though, that was really the big mantra behind the Planned Parenthood uh, sex education courses. They're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we should equip them with this knowledge, but also with these, you know, items to help them along their way. Well, one of the things I'm, I'm, you know, it's not just content, you know, because we, you know, why do I not want, uh, you know, my 16-year-old or 15-year-old or even my 14-year-old son who does not have unfettered access to the internet. He has only monitored access. He does not have his own phone. Uh, we do not have a video game console. And you know what? He's not dying. You know, he's actually thriving. He's, he's, a, he's a good kid. I really like him. I really have a lot of fun around all of my children. The thing about it is youth have, have survived and lived without smartphones for 6,000 years. And, and so it, it, they are not going to die. And what's neat is when you make them wait and you say, hey, when you get to a certain age and when we feel it's appropriate, then it really becomes important to them. They end up like, wow, I've waited all this time. I better handle this, this carefully. Because I'm not just concerned, you know, the content is one thing, but it's also the philosophies. You know, the, our, the documentary Captivated was based off of a Colossians 2.8. You know, do not be taken captive mm-hmm. through philosophy and empty deception. And when that was written by the Apostle Paul in the first century, those deceivers, those philosophers were traveling itinerant speakers. And uh, so he had to go find them. But he, he hadn't, you know, I guarantee you the Apostle Paul never imagined that Christians would be inviting philosophers into their homes. And hey, let's just assign one per child, you know, because it's not just the, the negative content, whether it's pornography or violence or 
any of those issues. It's also the philosophies that are out there that are being embedded through uh, all these channels. Yeah. Um, Philip, I think we've gotten away from something as the body of Christ, uh, and that is convictions. I don't know that people even know what convictions are anymore, what to do with them, or how they're acquired, why they're so important. Uh, Can you speak to that? Yeah, in fact, that's why I called my book Media Choices Convictions or Compromise, and I deal with this in the first chapter or two. And I I give a, a very basic definition of a conviction, and that is a conviction is something you believe so strongly that it guides your actions even when under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I brought up the subject of Joseph and how he was being pressured by his boss's wife. And he was a good example of what a conviction is. When you have a conviction, you believe in something so strong, it will guide your actions, sure. especially when under pressure. And when you, when you don't have convictions, then, you know, the opposite of that would be compromise, you know, and that becomes the weak link in your life. You know, it's something that's compromised that causes weakness. And so we, we do need a generation that understands what, what biblical convictions are. When the Apostle Paul was testifying before this pagan Roman governor, Felix, while he was, you know, he'd been arrested, he was kind of on a, a somewhat of a trial. And it says that, that the Apostle Paul spoke to Felix, um, he reasoned with him about righteousness, which is what is right uh, as opposed to what is wrong, mm-hmm. uh, judgment, um, which, you know, is a pretty scary subject to a, a pagan Roman governor, and, and self-control. You know, that God has given us the ability to make, make choices. And that wasn't a very seeker-sensitive message. And the response from Felix was, he was afraid and said, go away. You know, <laughs> when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. So most people today hold convenient beliefs. Yeah. They, they hold them, as long as they're convenient, they hold on to them. And that's different than what a conviction. You know, a conviction is something that's established because you see it in God's Word. Mm-hmm. You know it's true. And it's going, and you're going to let that conviction shape your actions, and and help dictate your actions when you're put under pressure. And that's the only way that I could withstand in the 21st century uh, the the pressure from the society for my daughter, you know, to have a cell phone before I really believed it was appropriate for her to have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. It came out of a conviction. We need more God's people with conviction. There's no doubt about it. And I find it interesting that in both of the examples Philip just gave us, he was talking about people in prison or facing jailers. Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be one kind of conviction or another. <laughs> That's right. Perhaps. Pick your poison, folks. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent, once again, uh, because he was also with us last week, is Philip Telford, director of Media Talk 101, a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment. He's also the author of the book, Media Choices, Convictions, or Compromise. And as we mentioned, before he is the producer and co-director of the award-winning documentary Captivated, part of which was filmed right here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can learn more about his work online at mediatalk101.org and you can find out more about our work right here at licensedtoparent.org. Philip, thank you so much for taking time out twice to be with us yes, in, uh, in this uh, two-week period. We appreciate it. Well, thanks, Trace and Rich. This has been great. Amen. And Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and helping their families through the outreach of this program. 
If you're able, we would be so grateful if you could go to our website at LicensedToParent.org and click on the Donate button at the top of the page and become one of our financial ministry partners. Your one-time gift or your ongoing monthly support will both go a long way in helping families in need get the help their kids need through the Shepherd's Hill Scholarship Fund. Again, just go to LicensedToParent.org. You can give securely when you click the Donate button. While you're there, check out our program archives. You can hear past programs there, and also be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter. It's entitled Insight for Today's Culture. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.